Well, good morning, Church of K-Bay. How we doing? Awesome. It is so good, uh, so good to see you guys. Um, hey, I just want to say thank you so much, uh, Church K-Bay, for allowing me to be here. It really is a joy and honor of mine. Um, for those of you who don't know or even see, if you're new here, like the Church of K-Bay, who you guys are as a light uh, into this community, not just here in K-Bay, but the influence you are to other leaders in our city, uh, into our state, is just is significant and beyond. Uh, and so the work that's happening here uh, is, is just amazing. And you just feel it, uh, you see it, um, and I mean, you, you see it written on the walls, you see it written uh, through the stories of, of trips and engagement that you're doing. Um, and it's just, a, it really is a joy and my honor to actually be asked to get to speak uh, this morning, to feel somehow a small part of what God's doing here among this church family. And um, hey, my name is Clay, and Will introduced me a minute ago. Not, not a lot of ton of great things to say about myself as much as this week, uh, my wife and I get to celebrate our 20th anniversary, so pretty excited about that. Yep. Yes, um, there was a, you know, so probably 22 years ago when I had a little more hair, had a lot more hair, I knew I had to work quick, and uh, so I met her at Clemson University. All right, anyway, and some of you like, I hey, but here's, here's, so I met her there, but even better than that, I met the Lord there as well, so Lord took a wayward soul, um, as many, some of you may, they're all wayward if you're going to Clemson, um, depending on where you are, um, but hey, he's there, the Lord was there, and he met me there, and just um, grateful for uh, what he's done in my life, and um, so grateful my family's here today, and some of our friends as well, uh, to get to be here, so hey, just thank you. Um, hey, this is a big, big conversation, and grateful as your church is walking through the book of Acts, you're just dealing with the conversation that's going on, and, and, and taking a moment to capture and look at this idea this divine diversity and the, the effects of the, the multi-ethnic message of the gospel and the fruit that it should bear. And the idea that as we actually walk out the gospel of kingdom people, there's a fruit that should bear from it. And we, we actually envision and think of the day, what if this room and our relationships actually reflect the, the overwhelming diversity of our community and the opportunity to get to do that. And so today as we're stepping in, we're going to be in Acts chapter 11. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, go there, and it'll be up on the screen. Uh, but we're going to Acts chapter 11. It's kind of a unique chapter because it's a, it's a retelling of the previous chapter, but Peter has been called to the, the church in Jerusalem, to the, to the uh, religious people there of the church, to actually give an account for what he experienced in chapter 10. And so it's this moment of him coming. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to look there together. Before we do, let's, let's just open up and uh, ask the Lord to be here with us. Father... We just thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to get to just walk through it. And Lord, so we want to stay focused there and allow your word to, to speak to us. God, I know as we gather today, um, God, there's a lot of things just stirring in the hearts and the minds, Lord, of your people here as we gather. And I pray that you would just speak with just calm, just peace. Lord, my brothers and sisters this morning that are here, that we could just hear from you, or that in a moment just be reminded of your goodness, and that we can trust you, we can look to you. God, this morning as your word speaks to us, Lord, it may encourage us towards some next steps. It wouldn't just be information. Father, there may be some moments that you just maybe shed a light on a place that needs to change, Lord, we wouldn't be fearful to repent. God, we just ask for your presence, because, Lord, only your Spirit, only your voice is the one that matters this morning. 
We just thank you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Last last week, Pastor Will shared, um, as he spoke to chapter 10, he he gave the account of what took place with Peter as as Peter had this vision as he was praying with the Lord and God gave him this vision of of these once what were seen as unclean animals through the Jewish community, this vision of them coming down on this blanket. And uh, I love how that moment where Jesus, uh, where God kind of gives it to him not just once, but he has to do it three times. I don't know if any of y'all can relate to that, like having to, like, hey, I don't know if you got it the first time. Like, let me give it again. No, I don't think you got it. Let me do it again. So, like, this, this is a moment God's kind of giving this revelation to Peter that it's really not just no longer about animals that were unclean. It's really about a people and a, a community of people that were once seen as different, as other, that now we're seeing that the gospel's actually for and bringing all together and it moves forward through Peter's uh, experience, not just seeing that vision, but then walking with these Gentile people, going to Cornelius' house, and, and, and now witnessing these God-fears who now not only uh, are fear God and are walking with him, but now seeing the Holy Spirit and the presence manifested in their life. And Peter just bears witness to this. And it was just this part of the last week, the, kind of the culminating part of that is reminder that the message of the gospel is a multi-ethnic message. It extends across all, all lines, all people groups, all diversities, all socioeconomic classes. It's not limited, and it culminates there. And so, I, you know, one thing I just have to confess this morning as we get into a topic like this, and I, I don't want to, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm, I'm white. Like, I'm I, and so there's part to this, I can only speak from a space, I can speak to it from ultimately what scripture gives, but part of an experience I can, I do know that part of, part of experience I do have, and I love the fact that in a place like we are, people are coming from all parts of the world, all parts of the, of the country that now live here, and I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that grew up in this state, not far from here, and I just knew what our dinner table sounded like, I just, I know what the conversations in my, my, my school and my, among my friends sounded like. And the things that I heard definitely continue to reinforce, in some manner in my heart, superiority over my African-American brothers and sisters. And while that may not have been intention, that was, that was part of the conversation, just let us, that's, that's part of where, what God had to work in and show through me, through his word, how those things were not true. This morning, as we're looking at 11, if 10 was about the significance of the gospel in a multi-ethnic impact, Part of what 11 I'd love for us to do is look at how do we actually walk in a way that we might see the fruit of that take place. If that is true, if this gospel is a multi-ethnic gospel, then how can we actually walk in a way as a people that get to see, maybe see that fruit bared? Well, I know for you, this is for all of us, right? The last year or two has been just a trying year. I just talked about it so many times, but the number of just divisions, the number of walls that have been created around whether it's political, whether it's around the, ep- the epidemic and mask and um, no mask, if it's around racial issues. Sides have been drawn, walls have been raised. And in many ways, our country and sometimes even in our churches are more divided over some of these areas. And we tend to be thinking and looking through more lenses of political eyes of Republican, Democrat, or Libertarian, or, or mask, no mask, or or black lives matter, all lives matter, blue lives matter. We, we, we take sides and we look through a lens. And what I want to ask us this morning, there's a lens that I think Scripture gives us that's a kingdom lens. A 
of a people that he's called us to be. It's very interesting that today, August 15th, marks a day 40 years ago. Berlin, Germany, the very first bricks of the Berlin Wall were laid today, 40 years ago. Berlin would be one of the cities that, our, that the world would look upon in many ways, from World War I to World War II, and as World War II came to an end and, and divisions were made, especially in ger- areas of Germany, there was the West Germany portion, the East Germany portion, with its loyalties to to Russia and a communist regime. And these walls were, these bricks were laid to help divide. And these walls, though, that were divided didn't just divide geography, they actually divided families. They divided people that once crossed back and forth, but now with different ideologies, they are now separated. And begins kind of the rise of what many of you remember as the Cold War. So much was looked upon in that area of of Berlin and Germany and so many influences that came from that in Russia. And uh, now for many of you, if you like me and you grew up in the 80s, that that created a lot of great movies, right? I mean, our movies were always, we were at war with Russia. Like somehow that seemed to be like the culminating, like that's the two sides that are taking place. And so there's a sense though that everything is always pointing to like missiles, bombs, bullets, blood. Somehow this, this, like this escalation of World War III is always at our doorstep. And then this magical moment happens in 1985 by a man named Rocky Balboa. You know, that's what I'm trying to say is if I can change and you can change, we all can change. Y'all may remember that. If you haven't seen Rocky Balboa before, um, that's your homework, all right? So go catch up. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but you've had some time to watch it. Um, but it, uh, you know, this, this, this moment of this warring between America and Russia in the ring, and um, yeah, just kind of this little glimmer of hope. I, I laugh at the, fo- the matter of that, but there was a tide starting to turn. There's moments like where our President Ronald Reagan, that moment, would stand in Berlin and would declare to Mikhail Gorbachev of Russia, tear down this wall. And there were these big voices that were taking place, but what was happening underneath that even more were people on the ground, the average, the ordinary, that were dissatisfied and were beginning to move. It would be in just a couple years later that, that men and women would meet upon the wall and where the wall would begin to come down. I think this is a great blue jean commercial. It's like some tight rolls and we're back. But they met there and beginning to chip away at the wall. And what once was really a conversation among presidents and among nations was actually on the ground moving and working among people. And to this day, there's a section of the wall that remains that that a quote was put there as a commemorating the voice of the small and what was seen maybe as insignificant, but what was happening as these families and people came back together. If you read at the bottom, what's in English there, it says, many small people who in many small places do many small things can alter the face of the world. 
Part of what I want to encourage us to today as we look at the life of Peter, there's some very small things that Peter's doing. If we miss them and see them as insignificant, God help us. That what he's calling us into is some very simple, but yet very impactful ways as kingdom people that we walk, that play significant impacts in the lives of others. And this is the gospel, the way we live it out. So my hope today is that we be reminded that there is a king, and if there's a king, he has people, and there's a kingdom. And we want to be those kingdom people, and that's what I want us to call us toward today, that every person, every single one of you, in every place where God has you, doing some of these small things that are most significant, they matter. So what does Peter show us? Let's get in there. Verse 1 of chapter 11, let me read. It says, now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. That's the religious leaders there saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. What? Like in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm thinking you, you, you need for me to give an account of what happened. But what are they concerned with? They're concerned with the pe- just being associated, the fact they're even eating there with them. Like their system of, of thinking of what they had just excluded them from being able to even uh, be around, much less eat the foods or be in presence with them. So they were seen as unclean. And so there's this separation, and they're concerned most about just this practice of just eating with them. I, I think Peter is very accustomed, though, to some of this practice because as, as he walked with Jesus. We look at the life of Jesus and many times he accused as being the friend of sinners who eats with them. The people that he would associate with and step into as he was walking this out. I think Peter was picking up on some kingdom practices of what it looked like to be able to walk as a kingdom person. Today I think there's a, there's a word that we use often in our, in our community and just in our culture. It's the word Hospitality. And when you think of hospitality, like, what are some of the things that come to your mind? Like, you just kind of visualize what, I know for so long, for some reason, it was Martha Stewart. Like, it just somehow seemed like it was, like, nice presented cakes and stuff. And, like, I don't know, maybe for you, it's like, well, we live in Charleston. It's a hospitality community. It's, it's the, you know, this welcoming city. It's hotels. Maybe for you, it's, it's the idea or thought of just having people in my home. It's having friends over. It's having my family over and like have, creating a space for them to come and be. Maybe for you, it's, it, I think sometimes it takes on the feeling of like entertainment. It can. It's like, well, we're going to have people in. And then we, some of you understand this, whether you're a guy, maybe some of you ladies, like that anxiety comes in. Like, oh, we're, like, we're getting ready. We got to get the house ready. Like, we're, so things start, the house never looked like it would did before, right? It's like magic happens. And but you're trying to figure out how to entertain. You're setting up the backyard so people can hang out and do things. And that's good. Like, don't hear me if you're thinking, man, is he just about to tell us this bad? No, no, no. Those are great, great things. But I do think they miss the mark of true hospitality. They miss the mark of true hospitality. As we look at the life of Christ and we look in Scripture, that word hospitality, the Greek word, literally translated means love of stranger. Love of stranger. I think this is, this is the heart of this. When Jesus speaks to this, as he's trying to help uh, in Luke 14, starting in verse 12, he's speaking of this parable, this great banquet. He's trying to get to the heart of people uh, who are thinking of what do you value and others. And he picks up in 12, 
He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Think about this. When you have people over and you're at the door and you're saying goodbye, what does most of the conversation sound like? Hey, our place next time. Hey, we got you next time, right? Like there's this, there's this exchange, an opportunity of exchange that's happening in there. Again, those are good things. Those are great things. But Jesus goes on to say, but when you, speaking to us, hey, kingdom people, people of, people of my kingdom, when you walk, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. I think at the heart of this is we're thinking this small piece of what, what Peter is exemplifying in this is how to be a hospitable people. And I, that, if we're going to use that word, we've got to hold it in a redeeming manner to which we are a people where there is a love of stranger. And I think as part of the picture of the multi-ethnic gospel and it's taking root and the fruit of that is when we actually do that. That's part of a practice where we see how can I love the stranger. And it has this change in effect, I think, the way we think. For many of us, we're very strategic. I think especially in like church planting worlds, those sort of things, it's where do we start? We usually start with the most influential. It is often our practice to go to, if it's in the school, the person of most prominence. If you're students, you're trying to find the person of maybe most esteem, you're in a small town, you're trying to figure out who the mayor is. I think all these, all these sound really strategic, but the only problem is, I just don't think we find them in the life of Jesus. And as we seek to hold to his message, I think also his methods as well. And what, what I'm not saying is that, that every person needs to go to, work, uh, to go to work with the material poor. I'm not saying everybody here that the goal is everyone needs to be among the material, material poor, though that should be present. What I am saying is that there's a people group um, to whom, whom which you are called that there is a margin. There's a people group that you're called to which has a margin, and that's where you should start. I think that there's a, there's a, in every neighborhood, there's a shut-in. At every lunchroom, as you guys get ready to head back, there's a weird table Every workplace has an isolated person. Every homeless community, one of the, the families we get to spend time with, as they, they talk about their time spending with some of the different families and their friends in a homeless community, is actually, that there's a marginalized group inside of that. And you would think, man, that's the homeless group. That's the marginalized. Well, and there's actually marginalized. And that, for them, that helps fuel even some of the relationships to where they spend time. I think it's, it's asking, what, what does... What does the community not want? Who has been told they don't belong? And that's where, we, that's where we go. I think there's a part of that practice we get to see from the life of Peter as hospitable people. But it continues on in verse 4. And we don't get very far until we get another one. He says, but Peter began and explained it to them in order. So here's Peter in a moment. They crawled him to the rug. And they're frustrated because they've heard he's eaten with these Gentiles, and he has a moment. I think there's, there's really kind of this moment of what's he going to do? Uh, and you know, he could have gotten defensive. He could have gotten frustrated, frustrated, like, man, why are you getting mad at me? I'm just doing, like, I'm doing what the Lord wanted me to do. He could have been frustrated. 
He could have chosen to be silent. He could have chosen not to say something. I think what Peter's stepping here in a moment is seeking to be a peacemaker. Seeking to be a peacemaker. Tim Keller, in a recent article, has it. The article is about five different characteristics that really characterized the early church, the first three centuries of the early church in Rome that really made it stand out as a kingdom people. One of those is how they were reconcilers of forgiveness. And they were reconcilers of a relationship, helping bring people together. To be reconcilers is part of that invitation that Christ has given to us to come and be reconcilers with him. And that is to help bring relationship together. To help stand in the gap where there exists to be a gap and help draw relationship together. I think we see Peter do this in this moment. He chose to stand and give an account and help connect the dots. He stands and goes through, hey guys, let me tell you what happened. Let me give an account because he knows on the other end of that is an opportunity for, for reconciliation, for a relationship to happen. There's going to be moments for you and I that we have opportunities to choose to stand in the gap in a conversation, or be silent. You know what they are. Some of them are at your dinner tables. Some of them at your family reunion areas. Some of them in your workplace or in your driveway. Every small area, every small moment matters. As kingdom people, as we step into this place, I think Peter is showing us that it's going to take us stepping into these moments to bridge the gap. Unfortunately, I think for the church as a whole, we've been very quiet. And when we are quiet and choose to not fill the gap, the gap gets filled somewhere else, by someone else. And if we, have a, we have two options. Either we step forward or we just get mad at others who are trying to fill the gap. When we fail to be like Peter, to fill the gap with God's narrative, and remain silent, I think we leave the world to fill the gap. Someone is going to fill that, and when we do that, we can't sit back and be frustrated. We can't be frustrated with social justice groups and issues and, and whether, uh, who don't have a biblical worldview to try to answer these issues. They're trying to answer the question. They don't have the right answer. They're not, they don't have the gospel as the root of their answer. So we have to step in and answer. I think many people in many places doing these small things is, is part of that that can help alter what God is doing in us as kingdom people. We can't choose to just sit back and be frustrated. Last, pick up in verse 11. This is moving forward. Verse 11, he says, And behold, at the very moment three men arrived at the house in which we were and sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and, and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter, and, we, and, and he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Peter's just laying it out there. Who was I to stand in his way, guys? This is what happened. He's given the full account. And here's what happened. And praise God. When they heard this thing, when they heard these things, it says they fell silent. Just quit. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Two things this morning. I think for some of us, there's a moment we just need to draw silent and allow the, allow the Holy Spirit just to work, just to show you. See other people. But second, I think in the, the celebration, if you recap that and work backwards... You go, praise God, man, look at that moment. The church is celebrating this. They're seeing it. They're seeing what God's doing. The church leaders fall silent. They're repenting. They're glorifying God. Well, what happens before that? Well, Peter and the church, they, they get to bear witness to the Holy Spirit working in the lives of Gentiles. So Peter gets to see this amazing thing. Well, what happens right before that? Verse 12. And if you, you can't move, can't pass it, but we, we do because it seems so small. The Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. You know what he was? He displayed immediate obedience. The Lord showed him something, moved. I think for many of us, just the simplicity of that, it's like, yeah, how can that be connected to such a grand, huge scheme? The economy of the kingdom is part of how our, our king works, that in and he speaks and we're obedient there. Well, how maybe some of your questions are how can you know what to do if you don't know what the Spirit's saying? And part of Peter's posture when this whole begins is he's just in prayer. He's just with the Lord and gives them this vision, and this whole thing happens. He's just spending time with them. What does your prayer life look like? Not just a list of things you're praying for, but you're just coming to abide in him and just to listen and lay before him, have, read his words, allow that to soak over you. I think one of the reasons we may not be doing this is because we, we, don't, we don't hear him speak. We're not, we're not in that space where we're just listening. I think when we follow the Holy Spirit's leading, and I love this, how's this connected to a multi-ethnic place? Because the heart of the Father is all people, and when he calls us to a place of obedience, it's connected to all people. It's not limited. So he says, go here, have this conversation, drive over here, step into this. Those works are connected to all people. And it's walking in those directions. I think it, that quote, I think it's going to look like many kingdom people in many small places doing many small things. We might see the fruit of the gospel, or the multi-ethnic gospel bear witness in our, in our space, in our community, through those lenses. And this morning as we close, though, just asking the Lord, um, Lord, what might you do? What would you have me to do today? Every single one of us, just Lord, in light of your word, you would fill in the blank. I will. Because right now, this, this time has not been about information, you getting more information. It's, it's Lord, you want to transform something in me. What's he wanting to transform? What's he wanting to change? What's he calling you to? As we get ready to just sing about the fact that we can lay our life on a foundation of him, that he is our foundation, that, just, that whatever fear right now is holding you back, that you would just lay that before him and just go, God, help me just be obedient. 
Help me love the stranger. Help me show, help me redeem hospitality as your kingdom people. Help me bridge relationship where you need me to do that. And this morning, if you don't know the king, your next step in this moment is just to, to call out to him. Every single one of us need a savior. Their sin and the weight of it was not small. It was significant. So significant that the king of heaven had to step out to bear that for us. And so where we are right now and where you are this morning, if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, who took on that sin and not only only bore the sin, but now has given you new life. And it's not about just a ticket to heaven. It's about actually walking in real life with him. If that's you, I ask you to come and pray. Pastor Will will lead you at the end. Let's just spend a few moments with him. Let's do that. Father, we thank you. God, that you would work. Lord, thank you for your word that it's never done. Lord, what you begin, Lord, you continue. And Father, help us to value the small and the seemingly insignificant that God allows us to see with your eyes how we can walk. God, today, that you help us fill in the I will. Help us fill that in today. God, a place that we could just love you, serve you, be obedient to the places you're calling us. Father, we thank you and praise things in your name.